You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part one of four, entitled My Story by Emmanuel Schrock. My Story by Emmanuel Schrock. The following audio is an account of how a young Amish boy found peace with God. This audio is divided into four parts. Part one, church. The sound of the steady beat of Betty's hoofs on the pavement mingled with the soft, rumbling din of the family buggy wheels. It's a sound that is so much a part of who I am. It is like music in the background of my life, constantly reminding me of who I am and what I belong to. I am Amish, not by choice, but by birth. I was born into a family of twelve, and since my parents and their ancestors before them were Amish, Fate had already decided that I was destined to be Amish as well, like it or not. To me, it is strange how this works. The only way to be Amish is to be born that way, except in a few very rare cases, and the only way to stop being Amish is to become a sinner and turn one's back on everything one has been taught. It is as though a fold has been prepared in which exists the one true way to live and the right way to please God. To be born into that fold is to be privileged and chosen above the rest of the world, and one is on the right road to God because of his Amish birth, not by his choice. To be Amish, then, becomes your life, and to you nothing else matters more. Your life becomes a lifelong mission of preserving this precious heritage in which you were born and had no part in creating. You accept it without question as the right way, simply because your ancestors have always done it this way. You trust that somewhere in the history of your heritage, there was a person who had the authority and the information to know what way in life is the right way, that he had some special revelation of God or a deep insight into the ways of righteousness that gave him the right and the power to create this blessed fold into which you were born, and in which, if you remain in it, you are assured that you are safely on the right road to being in favor with God. This is the Amish way. One must not question it. It is just the way it is. Back to my story. It is Sunday morning, and my family is on its way to church. I am nestled in the front seat of the bucky with my two brothers and my father, who is driving. My mother and my sisters are in the back seat. Dad is sitting silently on his edge of the seat with a blank expression on his face. Mom is giving occasional orders to the young girls on how to behave and chatting with my older sister in anticipation of meeting with the other women at church. In my mind, I am secretly dreading the ordeal of church. Why couldn't today be an in-between Sunday? There were a few things about church I didn't mind. I enjoyed some of the singing, and if there was a good preacher, I enjoyed the preaching as well. But generally, going to church was a matter of waiting for the day to be over with. I didn't really fit in with my friends, and I didn't try very hard to. I was a quiet thinker and would rather be left alone than be with others. Today's church service is no different than it has always been in the past. 
After waiting in the barn until it is time to go to the house, I follow the line of boys behind the grown men into the living room where the service takes place. The German hymn books are passed and soon the singing starts. The slow, mellow singing drags on and I wonder what the words are saying. As I sit there, my mind wanders to the two weeks that had passed since the last church service. Where did they go? And what had become of my resolutions and promises to myself and God that I would do better after leaving church? Every time I sit here and hear the preacher speak of the righteousness and the judgment of God, I am convicted of my sins, and I promise myself I will do better. I hear the bishop's thundering messages on hell and the awful fate of those who fail to please God, and I am desperate to make it to heaven. I promise myself that I will live better that I will do whatever I must in order to make it. Yet I can't put my finger on what it is that I need to do. I know I have shortcomings and faults in my life for which I feel guilty. I am constantly angry with my siblings. My temper often gets out of control. I swear all the time and my mind is often filled with awful thoughts of lust. I know all these things are bad. But still, I have a hard time thinking of them as bad enough to make me deserve hell. In my mind, I am not worse than most of the Amish members of the church sitting in the room with me, and I would think that most of them would be good enough to make it to heaven. If not, what is the use of being Amish? Is this not what the Amish way is all about, to make a person good enough to please God? And yet I can't shake this uneasy fear inside, this feeling of being distant from God and feeling his anger and judgment over me. As I sit there, I once again promise myself that next week will be different, that this time surely I will do my best to improve my life to a condition that is acceptable to God. Until then, I desperately hope and pray that my life will not be snuffed out, and I must go to meet God. I tremble at the thought. The singing is finally over, and one of the preachers gets to his feet to preach the first sermon of the day. He begins in the normal way, the greeting, the wish of God's blessing and grace on all present, and the reminder that we are still in the land of preparation. Then he quotes the familiar scriptures that are always, without fail, recited by all the preachers. Even though I have heard the words a hundred times, they once again wash over my soul with a glimmer of hope. Danke den Herrn, den Erich, Freundin, und seine Gide werde ewigli. Wer kann die großen Toren des Herrn ausreden, alle seine lieblichen Werke preisen? Wohl denen, die das Gebot halten und tun immer auch recht, Herr, gedenke meinen auf der Gnade, die deinem Volk verheißen hast. Beweise uns deine Hilfe, dass wir sehen mehr die Wohlfolge deiner Auserwählen und uns freien, dass es deinem Volk wohlgeht und uns riemen mit deinem Erbteil. Thank God, for he is friendly, and his goodness endures forever. The words have a reassuring effect on me. God is friendly and good after all? To me, God is a constant reminder of my failure and guilt, and I am afraid of Him. And yet, the scriptures say He is friendly and good. I almost believe it. Blessed are those who keep the commandment and always do right. This scripture always brings me a mixture of hope and despair. Hope because it contains the answer, the secret that I have been looking for. If only I can keep the commandments and always do right, I'll be blessed by God. But despair, because so far in my life, I have not been able to keep the commandment to my own satisfaction, let alone God's. It is as though the great mountain of doing right and keeping the commandment is always a steep climb ahead of me, 
and I never see the top of the mountain. I desperately want to do what's right and good. I want to please God, and I want Him to be pleased with me. And yet, it always remains just ahead of me, just outside of my reach. It always remains at the end of my promises to do better, and I never reach it. The preacher has now begun on another familiar passage of Scripture. The words flow from his mouth in simple eloquence. They are so familiar to him he says them without thinking. Einsam dafes, lobe den Herrn meine Seelen, was in mir ist sein heiliger Name. Lobe den Herrn meine Seelen, vergessen hat, was er der Gutes getan hat, der alle deine Sünde vergibt und heilt alle deine Gebrechen. The words of the Bible once again bring a ray of comfort to my tormented soul, who forgives all your sins and heals all your sicknesses. This sounds so much like what I am looking for. It seems to match so perfectly what I stand in need of. I wonder what the conditions are to qualify for this blessing of having your sins forgiven. What gave the psalmist the confidence to say that God has forgiven his sins? How did he know? The words continue. Barmherzig und gnädig ist der Herr, geduldig und von großer Gier. Er wird nicht immer hören, noch ewiglich Zorn halten. Er handelt nicht mit uns nach unseren Sinnen und vergilt uns nicht nach unseren Missetaten. Merciful and gracious is the Lord, patient and of great goodness. He does not deal with us after our sins and does not reward us according to our iniquities. I wonder if these words are for me or if they were just written for the rest of the world. Did God even care enough about me to know what sins I had that needed to be forgiven? Even though I didn't dare to believe the words, still they brought comfort and a sense of relief to me. It was comforting to know that even though I wasn't sure how to make it happen, God was willing to forgive and to show mercy and goodness. It was a relief to hear from a secure and authoritative source that God was still open to receive me and forgive my sins. I wondered how and when it would happen. How would I know when God has forgiven me, and how long would I have to wait? Denn so hoch der Himmel über die Erde ist, lässt er seine Gnade walten über die so ihn fürchten. Sofern der Morgen ist von Abend, lässt er unsere Überschreitungen von uns sein. Wie sie ein Vater über Kinder erbarmt, so erbarmt sie der Herr über die so ihn fürchten. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children. So the Lord pities those who fear Him. Once again, the words are powerful and sound wonderful, but I don't dare believe them. I have no trouble believing that God forgives sins and removes them from people, but I can't believe He did it for me. Sure, I believe God can do it, but I just take it to mean that that is what God is able to do if He wants to and if the right conditions are met. I feel like I will never arrive at the place where I fear God enough for Him to show mercy and grace to me. After preaching for a while, the first preacher sits down, and after a portion of scripture is read by the deacon, the bishop rises to his feet to preach the main sermon of the day. After reciting the same sayings and scriptures that have already been said by the first preacher and the deacon, he begins to expound on the scripture that has been chosen by Amish tradition to be his subject. Today's scripture readings are out of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. The deacon has read one chapter, and now the bishop is expounding on his portion of scripture. Ihr sollt nicht wehnen, dass ich gekommen bin, das Gesetz oder die Propheten aufzulesen. Ich bin nicht gekommen, aufzulesen, sondern zu erfüllen. Denn ich sage euch wohlig, bis das Himmel und Erde zergehen, wird nicht zergehen der kleinste Buchstabe, noch ein Titel vom Gesetz, bis das es alles geschehe. Wer nun eines von diesen kleinsten Geboren auflässt und lehrt die Leide also, da wird der kleinste heißen im Himmelreich. 
Whereas aber Tüden leer, der wird groß heißen im Himmelreich. Denn ich sage euch, es sei denn eure Gerechtigkeit besser als der schriftgelehrten Pharisäer, so werdet ihr nicht in das Himmelreich kommen. The words pressed down on me, and I squirmed with discomfort on the hard bench. Not a single letter will pass from the law until all will be fulfilled. I wondered what Jesus meant when he said that. Who would be the one fulfilling the law? Was I supposed to be the one responsible for fulfilling the law to the letter? This looked like a mountain of impossibility. No one I knew was able to keep the law, especially not to the letter. No one I knew even claimed to keep the law. In fact, everyone, including the bishop, readily confessed that they fell far short of keeping it. If even the preachers were sinners and didn't keep the law, what hope was there for me? The seriousness of where I would spend eternity was so real. I wanted desperately to do something, anything, to make sure I ended up in the right place. Except your righteousness is better than the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. These words added to my feeling of hopelessness. I knew I wasn't better than the Pharisees, and how would I know when I was? What could I do to make sure that I was better than they were? I didn't know, except to keep trying. Once again, I promised myself that I would do better, that this time I would really get serious about living a better life. The bishop continued, quoting the words by memory. Geht ein durch die Gänge fort, denn die Pfordisch weit und der Weg ist breit, der zur Verdammnis abführt, und hier sind viele, die darauf wandern, und die Pfordisch eng und der Weg ist schmal, der zum Leben führt, und wenig sind hier, die ihn finden. Enter in at the narrow gate, for broad is the road that leads to damnation, and many there are who walk on it, and the gate is small and the way narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. The question of my life was whether I was on the narrow road that leads to life or on the broad one that leads to damnation. The problem was, I didn't know. Certain days I was satisfied enough with my life that I saw maybe I was on the right road, but then I would do, say, or think something that would cause me to question whether I was. Sometimes I wished at least I knew I was on the broad road. That way I would know where I was headed and could do something about it. This uncertainty and constant wondering if I was headed for heaven or hell was miserable and hopeless, and I longed for a way to know. I was told that the Amish way is the narrow way that leads to life. Sometimes I believed it, but most of the time I questioned it. If it really was, then why is there no Amish person that knows whether they are going to heaven or hell? And more personally, since I was Amish, why didn't I have confidence that I was on the right road? I guessed maybe I just wasn't a good enough Amish person or that maybe it was because I hadn't joined the church yet. Yet, when I saw my Amish friends and neighbors, I got the feeling they didn't know where they were headed either. I hoped the Amish way was not what Jesus meant, because I was Amish and I wasn't convinced that I was on it, and I didn't want my entire life to be a big question mark of where I would spend eternity. Finally, the bishop came close to the end of his sermon and began to read the customary chapter to finish with. I knew the words by heart. Es werden nicht alle, die zu mir sagen, Herr, Herr, ins Himmelreich kommen, sondern die den Willen tun meines Vaters im Himmel. Es werden viele zu mir sagen an jenem Tag, Herr, Herr, haben wir nicht in deinen Namen geweissagt, haben wir nicht in deinen Namen Teufel ausgetrieben und haben wir nicht in deinen Namen viele Taten getan. Dann werde ich ihnen bekennen, ich habe euch noch nie erkannt, wehrt alle von mir ihr Ibeltäter. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These verses always scared me. I knew that some day I would die, and I would stand before God to be judged. I tried not to think about it too much, but I knew that I couldn't keep it from happening. Time would tick away, and even if I lived to be old, death would get me sooner or later. Every time I was faced with the issue of the judgment, I searched my mind for the right way to prepare myself for that event. I was desperate not to arrive at that place without being prepared for it. There was nothing I wanted more than to be in that small crowd on God's right hand, hearing the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yet, when I searched my life for something that could provide me with the assurance that I would, I couldn't find enough evidence to convince myself. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. I wanted to do the will of God, but I wasn't exactly sure how. I knew that he required me to live a good life, but I wasn't sure that I was good enough. And when I looked at the list of people who didn't make it, I was scared. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? I didn't even come close to doing those things. If those people were spiritual enough to do those things that they did, and still God said that he didn't know them, what hope was there for me? I longed to know God. I wanted him to be more personal, more approachable. I wished there were a way I could get on his good side and know that I was. I longed to be accepted by him, to know that he was pleased with me and not angry with me. The bishop finished the chapter and after a few closing remarks, sat down to hear the other ministers give testimony that what he had preached was founded on God's word. After they finished, he arose and made some more remarks. Then we knelt for the long prayer. The long prayer meant different things for different people. For some, it meant a good time to take a much-needed nap. For some of the boys, it meant the time to whisper and poke each other and do the rowdy things that were expected from you if you were cool. For me, it was something to be endured. The prayer was read from a book in words that were difficult to understand for most people. Even though the prayer was a better one that I could ever pray, or even the preacher for that matter, it was read in a tone of voice that made God seem far away and out of touch with the reality. I wanted God to be near, not just some far-off God that must be approached with a perfect prayer from a book. Yet I myself didn't know how to pray. I didn't even know if God heard my prayers. After the bishop's blessing to the congregation, another slow hymn was sung and the church was dismissed. Like a tidal wave, black hats flew to the heads of their owners the instant the last word of the song was finished, and the boys and young men were out the door. We waited around the barn, trying to tell jokes and laugh until it was announced that lunch was ready. After eating bona soup and ladwegbrod, and waiting impatiently till Dad was done visiting with the men, the family was once again seated in the bucky, and Betty was trotting patiently homeward. I was once again in the front seat, as I had been so many times before, thinking about the day and what had been said. Once again the questions pushed to my mind, and I wearily shoved them aside. Already I could sense my promises to do better and become weaker. The timely warnings and the reminders of righteousness and judgment somehow seemed less serious now that church was over. The strange and scary thing was, I discovered I didn't care. This is the end of part one. Part one. Part one. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.